1: You're listening to Over the Top Cycling, Boulder, Colorado. I'm George Thomas. Extremely honored to have as a guest today, 2015, I guess your 2016 National Cyclocross Champion, Jeremy Powers. Welcome to the show.
0: Yes. Thank you very much for having me. It's a a pleasure to be on and thanks everybody who's listening and I appreciate your time.
1: Now, the National Championship, what's it like for a competitor you've got to be so psyched up for that event after it's over I mean you've achieved your goal you won how do you get psyched up for the next event <laughs>
0: um, I mean the, the momentum of of winning a national championship uh is very strong and so the 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 days and weeks after it I think are uh, easy in some ways and very difficult in others, because there's a lot of people who are reaching out and would like to have time with you and would like to talk about the event and, and capture those moments, you know, just after and and, and, and shortly after. But for me, uh, you know, every day uh, that I'm riding my bike, I'm enjoying myself and I'm very much a, a being uh, of routine. And so, yeah, I try to get back to the routine as quickly as possible. And um, you know, Nationals was a really significant win for me. It, it all, every one of them has been, and, and for different reasons. But this one particularly was, was great. And, um, and I felt like, yeah, after it, it was uh, a relief because I had I'd kind of – I had had a lot of challenge, you know, from, from the competitors that I was racing against this year. So, <clears throat> yeah, I basically had to uh, stay a couple days in Asheville, which was great. Did some good riding there. And then I got on a plane and headed back to Europe and yeah, I just raced in France last weekend. Um, now I'm in Spain and I'll be heading back North here um, on Saturday, Saturday morning. So
1: now, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling a little guilty, Jeremy, because I'm one of those people that wanted time with you and I'm so glad I finally got it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I love, and I love that. Uh, you know, besides being on the bike, I've got a lot of time. I mean, that's, this is uh, this is part of my life and, You know, I love I think, yeah, if anyone that knows me knows I love storytelling and and sharing, you know, a little bit of my life with everyone else, because that's my that's my uh, that's what I do as a as a a, someone that races and as a, yeah, a sport. So, yeah, it's good. It's definitely my pleasure to, to be here. And thank you for the time.
1: Well, I love hearing how up you are, because I know sometimes you achieve a huge goal and I don't just mean you. And, and all of a sudden there can be almost a letdown after that, but it doesn't seem like you've had that.
0: No, I don't think so. I think, I I think for me that I'm really, uh, I put a lot into all of my races and if I'm giving 110% for something, um, and I don't win, then I'm still looking at what I did do. That was really uh, successful in that event. And, and it won't always be the same story. I won't win every single race. And so I know that. And uh, if I feel like there was something that I missed or I didn't do right, then I'm upset with myself. But I also look at it as, you know, patting myself on the back and saying, you did okay. Because yeah, if we are so hard on ourselves that there's no fun in it, then I think we lose sight of what the real goal is. And that's, you know, having a fairly well-rounded uh, life. And so I'm trying for all those things and balancing, you know, my ambitions with what the realities of, of my life are and, and, and the things that I struggle with or, or the things that I excel in. And so I'm just trying to keep those all in balance. And, um, yeah, I just, you know, every day for me, isn't just racing, it's, you know, being kind of complete and feeling like I did the most that I could with the day and the time that I had, uh, with the energy and, and enthusiasm and all that, that, uh, Yeah. That I wake up with each day. And so I don't, I don't, uh, not to go too deep here in the first five minutes of the podcast, but, but yeah, I think that that's, you know, my general outlook on my, on my days and and how I stay motivated each day is not just, uh, you know, revolving around bikes, although it very much does. It's, that's a part of, uh, of, of who I am. So
1: I'm totally happy getting super deep in the first five minutes
0: here.
1: (laughs) One of the things actually two of the things you're really known for one extremely talented on the bike but two you're one of the nicest guys out there racing how do you bring your <clears throat> niceness into racing and being so competitive
0: Ah, uh, man I, I you know my I, w- I would have to give that one to my parents and probably to um, truthfully, to, to being working in the, uh, the the business that I worked in was, a, was an ice cream business that my parents owned. And when we were growing up, you know, we worked really hard at that. The whole family did. Um, and I think my niceness came from that. My niceness came from dealing with people. Um, and I think I've always been very uh, attentive. I think I watch and read people a lot. And I think I also Um, understand, like, intellectually what's happening. And so when I realize that someone's not having a good experience, whether that's at the race or that's at the ice cream truck, you know, I'm trying to create that experience to make them have a better time. And a lot of the times I put myself in their shoes. Like, if I was a customer at the beach and I dropped my snow cone, uh, I would really appreciate it if I just got a new snow cone, right? I don't want to buy a new one. That was an accident. And I know they only cost the ice cream man 10 cents. So, hopefully he just gives me a new one, which is, you know, with what you expect. And then you, you it comes back to you in another way. Um, and as a racer or as a fan at a music festival or whatever the thing is, you know, you want to have that experience that lasts and you feel it down the road and you remember it. And so I try to create that for everyone that I come into contact with, because I know that they're taking time out of their day, just like this podcast. Uh, hopefully I bring value to someone in some way that, that they feel like they have, um, you know, used their time and they've learned something from this. And so, that's why I say thank you for listening. Cause that's exactly what I mean. You know, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of things in a lot of people's lives and a lot of uh, people to, to tend to. So for me, I think that's my general outlook is that I just try to, you know, keep it fun and keep it moving. And, and it's something that I've been, you know, the chemicals are right in my brain that I just, you know, I, I think I, I do have of course bad days like everyone else, but most of the time I'm pretty happy and outgoing and I enjoy interacting with people. And, um, Yeah, I just try to, you know, as simple as it is, keep it moving and and keep smiling.
1: Now, one of the reasons I don't like to send out a detailed list of questions is because so much comes up during a conversation that I never would have thought to ask. (laughs) So that just happened. You've got to tell us what's your favorite flavor of ice cream.
0: You know, as I've gotten older, I don't really do well with uh, with dairy uh, as much as I did when I was a kid. But I think we used to we used to turn basically a ice cream sandwich, as you know it, just a a regular like you know good humor or hood ice cream sandwich that we had back east. Uh, is like the one of the cheapest things to buy in bulk. You know, maybe ten, like I said, ten cents for one of these ice creams. But but if you take that and you put some really delicious chocolate sprinkles on it, um, and that changes the whole experience. That didn't. That wasn't just an ice cream sandwich anymore. That was an ice cream sandwich. With chocolate sprinkles on it, um, that's probably one of my favorite things. I just anything that like a chip witch with chocolate chips in the outside, or an ice cream sandwich um, that we would either make or or have prepackaged. Like I said, like a hood one or a, a, a good humor. Those with chocolate sprinkles on it, probably my you know easily my favorite. And yeah, uh, that was back in the day. Nowadays, I gotta yeah I gotta I gotta play I gotta play tricks on myself with different alternatives and yogurts and things but yeah i don't i don't eat as much ice cream as i once did when i was a kid but um definitely if i have you know if i just say screw it i'm going in it's probably going to be either a chip witch or an ice cream sandwich with chocolate sprinkles
1: so the best hand up we could give you at a cyclocross race would be a (laughs) coconut milk ice cream sandwich with chocolate sprinkles got it
0: Yeah, right. Exactly.
1: Watch it next time you're at (laughs) Belmont Bike Park. Okay.
0: (laughs) I'll probably take it for sure. Oh, man.
1: So, Jeremy, how did you get interested in riding bikes?
0: Hmm. Well, I mean, the story's been been told for sure. And anyone that doesn't know it, and, and you probably see it, is like, <clears throat> you know there's a lot of energy in in um and my mom was looking for a way for me to get that out and so i was signed up for every single type of um <laughs> sport known um and every single type of extracurricular activity uh including doing my homework because i couldn't sit still to do that and and i like very much uh had uh, ADD and ADHD growing up like heavy um you know we tested for it i was at the children's hospital, like, I was I was a bad case of, of um, hyperactivity and, and, and attention deficit disorder, you know, not to, like, again, I don't – it's not – I wouldn't consider it or even talk about the disability other than the fact that uh, I, I very much had that. And my mom would – you know, the story is that she would cry in the shower because um, she she could not contain me um, in, like, videos, you know, that are out there from, like, me at Christmas or me at these events. is just so – uh, insane because I had, I did have like an incredible amount of energy that just could not get contained or, or, or put away or put into anything. Um, and so I played football and soccer and did cross country and running and track. And um, yeah, what did all the things with kids that they do in the summertime with camps and YMCAs and none of it was enough. And when finally I, I picked up a, a mountain bike <clears throat> excuse me, and a lot of the kids in my town of East Lyme and Niantic, which are the same place, Connecticut. Uh, once I found mountain biking, I found a lot of freedom in that. And I found the place that I could let my energy out, not just for my mom, but for myself. And that was before I could drive. And I could just, you know, at 12, 13, 14, I could just go and uh, flap my wings and, and be free and that was it. I had as much freedom as I needed to, and as soon as the momentum started with that and getting that energy out, my mom put a lot of put a lot of her time and, and money and, and um, everything she could into that for me, so that I would, you know, be able to get that that energy out and be able to pay attention. And so, absolutely, one hundred percent, the thing that I was drawn to and cyclocross. To take that one step further, being such a short event, um, is why I chose cyclocross because I still fight with, um, being able to pay attention for a very long time, like four and five hour road races, six hour road races are something that I still even today struggle with because it's not for me, it's not fun. Uh, and I lose concentration there. So,
1: so I will not be able to coax you out to my 525 mile race across Oregon.
0: You know, it's funny, I I actually haven't done any events like that, although I'm very interested in doing a trip, uh, hopefully this year, where I, I just, uh, I ride like 100, you know, probably like 100 or 150 miles each day, and kind of camp or, or stay at some cool uh, hotels or something like that, and kind of just do a couple days with some friends, just riding uh, without any, you know, numbers or power meters or heart rate monitors or any of that stuff, but um, I am not, no, I'm I really have zero interest. And it's funny. Uh, I have zero interest in like 10, 15 hour days in the bike. I, I just it's something that for me I'm like, I I actually think it's crazy people that do that. I I can't I don't know that I won't ever do it, but to me it's like it's just too much of a good thing. I love what I I love six hours on a bike that's great to go train and to have a beautiful ride and to feel completely smoked from it and come home and eat a big meal. But like when you get into the 8 hour range it's a it's a completely different feeling. It doesn't feel like it's any fun. It felt like it was the whole thing was just hard. So and you're sore <laughs> obviously.
1: Now your enthusiasm for the bicycle is just contagious. I mean it's mm. so there. Uh, what other I you used to race road, didn't you?
0: I did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the funny thing is I lost a lot of road races cause I would, there were, there are three road races that I can think of off the top of my head right now that I didn't, wouldn't have necessarily 100% won, but I was in the winning move on and I didn't sprint for the finish because I wasn't paying attention and didn't know what lap we were on of the circuit or yeah, whatever the thing may have been. Or I, yeah, again, I just like lost concentration. So, um, I, was a road racer for 10 years. I loved that because I love all, all forms of riding. Um, but there became a time like around 27 or 28 where I really wanted to just start focusing on the thing that I felt like I would had the, the, the best chance at succeeding in. And that was cyclocross. And so, you know, I think, <clears throat> During that time too, uh, the sports, all of them—mountain, road, cross—you see very little um, you know, crossover. Not, no pun there, but you don't see riders crossing in and out anymore like you did. If you look at the last couple of years, I, I don't, I don't see a lot of riders crisscrossing between, especially at the high levels, at the World Cup level. You don't see pro tour road guys coming in and doing it. You don't see. Uh, you know, pro cyclocross riders going and winning tour stages anymore. It's just, it's, it, in my opinion, it's changed because the sports have become, they've, they've all become very deep and there's a lot of depth in the fields. And so I think that it's become, you know, mountain biking is for mountain bikers, cyclocross is for cyclocrossers and, and so on. And I think that it's definitely a um, changing of the times, you know what I mean, it, with regards to being able to be good at mountain bike and then win a tour stage. And then, you know, it's just, it's changed, I think a lot. So
1: on cyclocross has been so huge for cycling. I mean, way back in my day, uh, cyclocross was just kind of that odd thing from Belgium that maybe you would do in the off season. Mm. Why do you think that the huge increase in popularity where someone such as yourself can actually make a living as a professional cyclocross racer?
0: I mean, I think it's fun. I think there's a element of, of, uh, risk. And then there's that reward part. I think it's, I think it's a lot of things. I think it's, uh, I think it's not just doing a, a power number up a climb, you know. I th- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge
1: you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we
0: decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. I think for fans and spectators and kids, it's really accessible for for you know an eight or five, you know eight to fifteen year old to be going out there and having a a course that they can go on where their parents can see them for a lot of it. I think for you know for parents of kids, it it it, it more resembles a school sport that they feel like when their kid goes out on a loop that's twenty miles and doesn't come back for an hour, they you know, it's a little nerve wracking when you have your your ten year old out doing that. And so I think cyclocross is um, grown because of the people that are involved and because of the accessibility to it i think on the pro side it's great to watch and to spectate and to be able to capture the stories and see the racing and and um and then when you know the promoters and the organizers do it right there's a lot of fun to be had there and there's a there's an experience to be had and i think that that's valuable uh, as a as a sporting event right like i don't i always say that you know i'm I'm as much of a uh, I'm a sportsman, right? Uh, by trade, you know, like a baseball player or football player. I, I, I'm a, uh, you know I do sports, but on the other side of it, we're also entertainers, and and that's what those event organizers are trying to create is an is an event to to entertain people with. And I'm a performer in that, and so I I I think that in cyclocross it's very easy to see that model and to see how it works. Um, and I think in other disciplines it's a little bit harder to be a fan of it because. The, they disappear for so long and because there's such a, you know outside of like the tour de france and the bigger european road races the coverage is is difficult because it's so expensive to get so if you know a good new england road racer that races the biggest road races in new england well your probably best bet is to look on twitter and search a hashtag or sit at the finish line because other than that the coverage is going to be pretty is going to be lacking you know and it's going to be told through the, the eyes of the racers and it's not going to be a, a a camera or anything like that. So, yeah, I think that's why Cyclocross has grown. And, and you know, simply, it's really fun. <laughs> there's there's just – it's a lot of fun to be a part of. And I think that it's an experience just like, a you know, a Tough Mudder or a, a Spartan race. It has a little bit of cycling built in with a little bit of adventure. And it's an experience and it's a great place to come out with a family on a weekend and, and get muddy and race your bike and go hard and, and then go home. So. Yeah.
1: Obviously, you have a lot of fun on your bike. What else do you do for fun?
0: <clears throat> uh, <laughs> lately it's been a lot of bike um, I've been on the road for about two months and so I definitely right now it's all been bike but when I'm home you know i love I love being with my family and my my dog um, so my wife Emily and I and our dog moose um, you know I like hanging out with my friends back in uh, in Massachusetts we have a pretty pretty good uh crew of cyclists that we all just like to get together and hang out and and um and just have dinner together and just you know be friends really uh like to hike a lot you know a lot of it has to do with physical activity i like to stay busy um you know i play a lot of music so when i'm home i'll i'll listen to you know actually a lot of podcasts um because i kind of like to do busy work and and just fix things around the house and uh But yeah, I definitely, I play some music and kind of got into that by making my own mixes um, because I I always wanted, you know, this stuff to go one way and listen. I wanted this song to go into this song and this song to go to that song so that I could motivate myself to do training. So I started making my own mixes um, and then I got pretty heavy into DJing and bought a lot of equipment to do that. And so I would say that that's one thing that I do that's kind of outside the norm. Um, But on the other side of it, I'm a... I say this a lot, but I'm like a, I am a bum in some ways, like everybody else. I I do have days where I just, I don't do anything, but literally hang out and eat and sit on the couch, (laughs) especially in the off season. There's some days where I just lick, lick my wounds, you know?
1: Okay. Now I've got to follow up on our sound check because during our sound check, I asked, what's your favorite movie? And Uh you said, Billy Madison. What is it about that show that resonates (laughs) with you?
0: (laughs) I mean, Adam Sandler is just this incredible performance. Uh, that that movie for me, uh, there's so many things. There's like two, there are a couple of things in my life that anyone that's ever come into contact with this probably experienced. And that's one is Dave Chappelle and his comedy uh, series there, The Chappelle Show. Oh, yeah. uh, yep. Are, are you there? Oh, yeah. I was okay, just yeah. agreeing with so, you. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Chappelle Show and then any pretty much any Adam Sandler movie, uh, but Billy Madison in particular. I could I could probably recite every single line from that movie because I watched it so many times as a kid. Uh, it just was it just cracked me up. So I guess I could say I'm a big fan of comedy and um, I love I love that stuff just because it make you know laughing is feels good. Like there's nothing better than just like literally not being able to control yourself when something makes you laugh. That's a that's a great feeling and I uh, I think I seek that out. So yeah, you could you could draw some conclusions from that. But those are. Those are probably my two favorite things to, to, especially if I'm having a bad day, I will, I will pull up some episodes of Chappelle show and just kind of <laughs> just lounge, you know?
1: <laughs> so what's your mindset at the beginning of a race? Do you bring your almost carefree attitude to that
0: event? <laughs> no, I, that's, that's actually funny. I, I think that, uh, I think that I am also someone that, that can, uh, you know, and this is, this is something, again, like I was talking about earlier with that, 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 that intellectual I think that that's something that I do have and I, I think I very much understand when when I'm when I feel backed into a corner or I feel like I want to perform uh, that that changes things for me and the I would call it the kill really comes out in me and that that is what you need to perform like this and I have just like every other person um, I do have things that I need to, satisfy and that comes from the hard work that i'm putting in and if i don't feel like i'm getting the benefit or the the return on the, my hard work then i'm mad and that's just a natural reaction so i'm i'm really at peace with like what i'm when i line up for a race i know that i'm prepared the best that i can be for that moment and i'm putting 110 percent of myself into it but i'm also <clears throat> i'm also looking at it as a challenge to myself and i'm not thinking about what the other guys are doing so I know that I need to hurt myself and I want to win this race, but I'm not worried about what the other rider is doing. I'm worried about how can I have the best race and how can I push myself the hardest here? And so um, I think that's changed over the years too. You know, I do think there was a time when I raced upset and when I was younger, I raced for like a, you know, a girlfriend or or my parents or any number of things. I think you race for different reasons when you go through a career of cycling or, or sports. And for me, you know, right now, it's just, it's really focused on myself um, and, and kind of, yeah, I would say this, this legacy, I hate to use that word. It's such a weird word, but like this, you know, longevity of a career, it's like, it's people are expecting, uh, you know, that I can win races for how it's, it's changed from when will he win uh, this big race or how can he get into the top 10 to, uh, you know, more or less like uh, we want to see him win again, or when will he lose now? And that's uh, <laughs> that changes. You know, it's weird. It's weird to go through that. I can I can tell you just point blank. It's weird to be in a place where the the bigger story is if I you know get bested at a at an event. That's a that's a weird experience.
1: And how how do you deal with that pressure, or do you feel it as pressure?
0: I think you just do. You know, honest. The truth, like, hundred percent honesty is I don't think about it, and I think that that's. That being able to tune that stuff out is the easy, easily one of the most valuable things that i I think I hold is i don 't think about it so i don 't have to internalize it or deal with it. I just don 't think about it and having a clear head is probably the most important thing, and sometimes I will get caught up in it, and that has affected my racing hundred percent i mean look at for many years i didn 't win any national titles I think that that 's been told many times over again as a junior and an under twenty three I felt that pressure to perform and I failed. I didn't have the maturity or the the ability to clear my head well enough. And and maybe that you know comes from just like constant thoughts like having ADD and, and whatever. But I could not get my nerves settled to do that. And as I matured and got older, my ability to turn that stuff off and not sweat that person that's on the line telling me that I'm going to lose or that person that's saying you're my guy right before the start or you have to win or whatever those things are that that can get in your head, you know, being able to turn those off is um is for any athlete is just extremely valuable technique to be able to to have uh at your disposal. So
1: yeah, I don't think there's any more rewarding feeling when you're racing when you do show up, knowing that you can't prepare anymore, that you've done everything to the best of your ability, and that you're out there giving everything you have then it really doesn't matter where you finish to yourself because you're doing your best.
0: I think, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, it does, but you're right. It does come with a lot of pressure. And I think that you have to get to a pretty deep place, <laughs> you know, you have to really learn a lot about yourself and how you deal with that, uh, along the way. And, and it doesn't, it just doesn't just happen. Right. And so you're absolutely right that there is, there is a lot of pressure and it, and it's, you know, I do think that you can still be upset with yourself. I find myself still upset, even though I want the outcome to be different, you know, but to me a a 20th at a world cup is just not, I feel as though I've put in more work than that. And so I still get, I still get upset by it. Um, but I ask myself, what could I have done better and what can I do differently for next time? And, you know, did I have ideal preparation and, and, and all of these things. And, it's not always the same and when you're you know for me at this very exact moment like last week i got 23rd at a world cup uh i wasn't exactly happy with it i'm also not upset with it because like i said i did bring my best to it and i felt like i gave 110 percent, but i was in a lot of pain from a back something's going on with my back from travel and uh any number of things could have flared up my back Uh you know the eight different beds that I slept in in the last 12 days, um, or you know the 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 literally uh, you know 30 hours of travel that it took me to get to that World Cup. Um, any number of things could have could have upset my back and and created that. So at that very moment, I had to step back and say, yeah, it's not my best performance that I've ever done. It's also not my worst. And there's going to be a better there's going to be better days, and I'm going to improve and and keep you know eye on the prize. Like that's that's the best I could do on the day. And so it's moving it's moving on onward, whatever you want to say. It's just like, yeah, I'm just filing that one away is cool. Mission accomplished. And now we're moving on to the next one. Because if you sit there and dwell on it, obviously you have to reflect and understand the things that went wrong or whatever. But I really don't believe that I could have done anything differently in in my getting there or the way that I had to get there because the race was in the middle of nowhere, France. And um, so, yeah, you have to just be like, that was the best I could do with that situation at the time and that's it so unless i get a helicopter then that's going to be the best that i could do
1: okay so hopefully a (laughs) helicopter manufacturer is listening to you
0: (laughs) yeah it would be great
1: (laughs) (laughs) now we were talking some about pressure is there more pressure or a different kind of pressure wearing the national champion jersey
0: definitely i mean i think that when you when when you win that race, you assume that role. Um, and you also, you know, for me, I do feel a lot of pride and I try to live up to that. I try to live up to the, you know, to the, I, I'm a very honest person. Like, you know, I'm not anything that I say here and anything that I say anytime is there's, there's not, it's not even like a white lie. Like it's, you know, sometimes I'll tell a good story and maybe we add a couple things in just to keep people laughing. But outside of that, I would consider myself to be 100% honest in, in what I'm doing. And so, the for me when when I'm racing that uh, when I'm racing that jersey and I say like I feel really proud and like all that I mean I really feel that. I really feel like this is uh something that I earned and it's something that I am treating as a as a privilege almost uh, and it's a weird way to put it, but you know I worked hard for it, I got it, and now it's a privilege to be in it because I realize that this moment isn't going to be forever. And so, yeah, I'm trying to bring 110% of myself to that and and represent that jersey in our country the best way that I can.
1: Now, we're almost out of time, which really is frustrating for me because I have a (laughs) brain full of questions still to ask you. Sure. (laughs) But I need a little education because I started out saying you were the 2015 national champion. Then I changed it to 2016. In my head... We went through the 2015 season and you won the championship at the end of that season even though it was 2016. So mm. exactly where are you on the date there?
0: Yeah, I'm the 2016 national champion, but the season runs through years. So it starts in September and it ends in February. Um and so yeah, you become for us all of the national championships are held in January, and so I'm I was also the 2015 national champion. Correct. So you weren't wrong, but okay. I'm also the 2016 national champion because I was able to win again.
1: Got it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it, it's how it is. Cyclocross season runs into different years and so for for sure you when when writing any like sponsorship proposal or explaining to anyone for better or for worse, you're saying the 2015-16 season and it can get especially to a non-endemic partner that you have to always explain what that means. And, and as they understand it more, it's like, it's a little bit like football, right? Like it starts in 2015, but it ends in 2016 it and ends. that usually makes it happen.
1: <laughs> exactly. Okay. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> well, Jeremy, it has been an incredible pleasure visiting with you. and I really appreciate you taking the time.
0: Definitely. Thanks everyone again for listening. Thank you for your time and I appreciate it and um, look forward to the next time we get to catch up.
1: Jeremy, I do too.